Santa Barbara News Press Radio Station. Good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Chrysell, and Diane Duvert and I are your hosts every week, right here on AM 1290, repeated at 11, and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and in Montecito's Upper Village. At Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. So Neil, what is it like living a life of va- as a vaccinated human these days? Well, half of that's true. The vaccination part? <laughs> yeah, the vaccination part. Because I spend all my times with dogs. Good to know. Good to know. And my, so, dogs are, my dogs are very happy that I can't get them uh, uh, infested. But I'll tell you, it is really, um, uh, you don't realize how much you appreciate human contact uh, until you get vaccinated and, and re-emerge out of the, out of the, your cave, and it's been really good. So uh, you're, you're something. Look, I even may get to see you again. One of these days in person, yes. Yeah. So we are thrilled to have with us um, John Standring, who is the founder and president of Beachside Partners, with us today on the on the air. John, thanks so much for being here with us. Appreciate you having me. So, so we have. Um, a theme today in our articles, uh, and the scene, the theme is craziness. I have a whole bunch of crazy things that are happening in 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 the investment world, and the first article uh, is in this weekend's Wall Street Journal. It's uh, our favorite Jason Swag, and the title of the article is "The Method to the Madness of a Sixty-Nine Million Dollar Art Sale," and. Um, It begins by saying, you've heard of non-refundable tokens, even if you don't know it yet, because there are people buying them, uh, which is really crazy. In February, the NFT representing the Nyan cat video meme, which looks like a feline Pop-Tart dragging a rainbow through outer space sold for more than $500,000. So I I, I looked at myself and I said, what is he talking about? Uh, the NFT, there's something I never heard of. So I Googled NFT and sure enough, there's a whole host of explanations for what an NFT, by the way, Diane, do you know what an NFT is? I do not, Neil. Okay, so like- it wasn't, it, well, it stands for non-fungible token. And what that means in English is uh, a Bitcoin is a fungible uh token in effect, it trades for another Bitcoin. You can trade them uh, one Bitcoin for another. A non-fungible, in this case, Bitcoin or token, is comes from the same uh, technology as Bitcoins. They are a blockchain 
uh, derived, and they are unique in that you can't uh, you can't copy them. They're 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 really, uh, in a sense, uh, able to provide someone with uh, like a tag for something they own. So what people are doing is they create a meme or a character on uh, 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 YouTube and they, they copyright it by attaching it to an NFT. And they actually are selling these things. So if someone creates a funny little thing, they'll sell their NFT uh, and it sounds like, well, okay, that's, you know, something for the kids to do, but the numbers are astronomical. Um, there are uh, everything from five, $10, like a, uh, a um, baseball card to uh, uh, a people, whatever that is, which ended up selling for $69 million. And um, today in the wall street journal, there was an article about, uh, which is even crazier than that, that is people are playing computer games. And in these computer games, there it's like Monopoly for those of us who were too old to remember to, to know about computer uh, venture video. Ga video games, right? V video games. Um, uh, people are buying s real estate on uh, a, uh, a video game. Well, it sounds cute, but uh, a little piece of land on a uh, part of the game Citadel of the Stars just sold for $1.6 million. People are buying a, like, you know, uh, get out of jail free card on Monopoly. They're buying uh, a NFT. Or like Park Place. It's the ownership. Million. Yeah, it's the ownership of something that doesn't exist. Anyway, that's just the first article in a series of crazy things that are going on in this investment cycle. The next article is uh, beware of booming penny stocks. And this was in Sunday's New York Times. And it is about the um, resurgence of penny stocks. Now, penny stocks uh, pick their ugly head up whenever there is speculative activity. It was true in 1929, 28. It was true uh, two or three times between that period. And um, penny stocks are not just stocks that are selling for a penny, but they're basically over, over, or under the counter. They're, they're traded on what's called pink sheets. And they're, you know, almost, uh, you know, not even real uh, companies. Uh, and they're obviously places where you can create fraud easily. And the old, you know, uh, uh, buy and dump, uh, scam has been basically uh, uh, coming to the penny stock boom. And we see, you know, people buying a stock for, you know, 50 cents and then touting it. And then the stock goes up. And if you buy a stock, you know, people are buying basically numbers and it goes up to $1.50 and then they sell. Well, it turns out that uh, penny stocks are making, in this article, it talks about a a massive surge reminiscent of the 1920s. Uh, because these stocks are so small and lightly traded, a sudden surge of interest can make their prices go berserk. Um, and um, there's been an incredible uh, focus uh, on 
just like with games uh, shop, it's there's uh, been a resurgence in people willing to go into an area that is really ripe with fraud. Well, I have to say, I think that the the issue with the penny stock is is that it takes so little momentum to move the needle on the price that any time it's touted on a social media platform, it can it can really make the the price of the stock move, and so. It, 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 it's, it's basically designed in this current system to really be, you can game the system, no pun intended. So there would be no um, uh, discussion of craziness without getting into our favorite subject, which we've discussed for the last month, which is SPACs. And this article in Friday's New York Times is about uh, how far we've gone. So far this year, 264 SPACs have raised $76.7 billion. But the reason I brought this article in is they are focused on how few available companies SPACs uh, have to bring public. Remember, a SPAC is a company that is formed with just cash. Uh, They go public with just cash and they have two years to buy a company and then reverse split this reverse merge the company so that the purchase company becomes the public company without having to go through SEC scrutiny. Well, the two year business is really a, a factor. And so because there is uh, this time frame where you have to, if you're gonna make money as a SPAC developer, have a, a, a target, what we're seeing now and the article is talking about small companies that are not ready to go public are being inundated with SPACs pleading with them uh, to let them bring them public, which is, I think, you know, uh, a a really good sign that you're going to be in, you better be really careful when you buy a SPAC. If SPACs are being brought, uh, bringing public companies that even the company doesn't believe they're ready to go public. It's a real issue. And as we see more and more SPACs hit the market, I think you're going to see more and more of that, you know, the scarcity of having these companies that are ready to go public. And the final, quickly, the final article uh, today, uh, which is as crazy as it gets, is uh, how many Americans are taking their $1,400 stimulus check, uh, going to Robinhood and investing it in speculative stocks. And it, it, it's according to a study this week by uh, Morgan uh, and Goldman Sachs, both did studies, it is really significant. That is, uh, young people are taking their uh, uh, $1,400 stimulus check and saying, it's not enough to make a difference in my life. Therefore, I'm going to buy some AMC theater chain, which is um, about as crazy as you can get. That said, it is doing its intended purpose of stimulating the economy in one way or the other. Well, it's not stimulating the economy. It's stimulating, you know, the stock market. market. Um, So that's the craziness. So I hope the rest of the show is more normal. Um, Do you think our guest is our (laughs) our guest? He's not like like this, right? Our guest, Diane? (laughs) No, he isn't. He's, He's a great guy. And we can't wait to hear from him after the break. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. (music) 
For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing If you have trouble handling your anger, get help. If someone you love is hurting or scaring you, get help. There is a full-service domestic violence agency in Santa Barbara County, which offers emergency shelter, counseling, transitional housing, anger management, and teen outreach programs. Its name is Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County. Call their 24-hour helpline at 964-5245. Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County putting an end to domestic violence. Did you know that domestic violence sends more than 500 women and children to emergency shelters every year? There is a place where all family members affected by domestic violence can get help. Domestic Violence Solutions for Santa Barbara County with four 24-hour phone lines to help. In Santa Barbara, call 964-5245. In Santa Maria, call 925-2160. In Lompoc, call 736-0965. And in San Inez, call 686-4390. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to his customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So if you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of having John Standring founder and president of Beachside Partners um, here with us today on the line. John, welcome so much to the show. Thank you again for having me. So tell us, how did you get involved in real estate and what was your path that brought you there? Well, like many people who are reside in Santa Barbara, I came here for school and never left. Uh, I think it was my junior year of high school. I guess I can date myself, but it was 2002. And I uh, was doing a college tour and Santa Barbara City College wasn't on the stop, but I had left Long Beach and stood at the top of La Playa Stadium and just fell in love. So I uh, came down here, went to Santa Barbara City College, transferred to UCSB and graduated UCSB in 2008. Great time to get into real estate. Uh, I, had, I had, uh, wasn't sure what I was going to do. I had interned for a uh, a company here in town, actually, that was I'm really appreciative that uh, the Paskin group, Mike Paskin, um, he's he's built a, an empire now. But when I met him, he was uh, in his own little office on State Street. And um, yeah, I kind of just worked my way up. I, I, I started with a Fortune 500 doing their corporate leasing for three and a half years. Um, and then uh, from there, I went to a company called Radius Group here in town, started focusing primarily on 
apartment buildings and commercial buildings. And then when I was there, I, I kind of started seeing how these individuals started just buying properties. And I just, I really fell in love with it. So I wanted to figure out a path that I could get there to where I could start buying properties. I took a leap of faith, left Radius, went and worked for a real estate developer for a year where I learned about toilets, tenants, and trash, as I put it. And then uh, about six years ago, I started Beachside Partners. And um, I've always loved real estate. I've always loved the idea that there's no ceiling on your income. But um, I think real estate is really stuck with me because everyone views it differently. Um, I, had, I had coffee with Jerry Beaver really very early on in my career. And I remember him telling me that the benefit of real estate in Santa Barbara is every square foot, every parcel has six sets of eyes on it. Everyone views it differently. So it's, it's, it's something I really love. I'm very passionate about. And um, I've kind of, I found a niche and I just, I love everything real estate. So what's the so niche? What? Go ahead, Neil. What? What's the niche? He said he found the niche. So my, so my, so my niche, my niche, I'm the real estate broker that tells people not to sell or not to buy. Um, I really got pretty fortunate in the sense that I've, I've really built a brand of being a true advisor. You know, everyone is always talking about that they have their fiduciary responsibility and all that, which there's a lot of good agents, but I've really built my, my, my clientele and, and my portfolio based on saying, eh, this isn't the deal for you. Or, eh, you probably shouldn't sell. Why don't you raise your rents or retenant your building? Um, and really taking that advisory role. I was, I, I made some pretty good investments when I was younger. Um, I started buying some stuff out in Isla Vista and, um, I've been fortunate enough that I can kind of, I choose who I work with and what capacity. So, um, I really, really became that advisor role. And the niche I really love is, is student housing and multifamily. Um, that is something that I, I, I have a lot of passion for, and I think is a very exciting times here in Santa Barbara. So how did you, how did you get exposure to that multifamily and, um, you know, student housing early in your career? Yeah. So I was fortunate enough, like I said, to work for a company called Radius Group. Um, I went and worked for with one of the founders there and um, they, he, he, he sells apartments and I, I was able to see kind of how they did things and what, what, what people who bought apartments do. And that was, I was really drawn to that because everyone buys different types of apartments, whether it's class C in Lompoc or class A downtown. Um, it was really unique to me. Um, what I, what I was missing from there though, is that it was very transactional based. So you do the deal and you move on to the next one. You do the deal and you move on to the next one. I really fundamentally wanted to understand, well, what happens after that? Do they get the rents that we say they get? Do they do all of these things? So, um, that's when I left there and I went and worked for, um, a, developer here in town, Ed St. George. Um, so who a lot of people know, uh, he's a big student housing developer and, um, I cut he's my been, teeth with him. What's that? He's been a guest on our show. I, I, I believe it. Yeah. It's, he, he's great. He's a good friend of mine. I, I have a lot of respect for him and, um, he kind of showed me a, 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 what he does. And, and I kind of just took a little piece of what everyone does and kind of put my own spin on it. So I, and then, uh, now I think the, the rest is kind of history. So now what are you seeing in, in um, apartments and housing in general in Santa Barbara? Well, we have a major, you know, as we were talking before the show, we have a major lack of supply, simple economics, low supply, equal, and with high demand, prices go up. Um, if you would have asked me a, a year ago what I thought was going to happen, I, I would have said we're in for a real scare. 
um, it, deals and lenders were pretty much freezing, but quite the opposite happened. Um, I've had my busiest trailing 12 months of my career, um, including selling the largest apartment building in Santa Barbara in 2020 and the second largest in Santa Barbara County up in Santa Maria. And there's just so much demand. Um, you know, you, we're not building new real estate in Santa Barbara. So I think a lot what's happening is the 1960s, 1970s buildings is people are seeing value that there's great jobs in Santa Barbara. There's high demand for rent. So if you go in and you fix something up, you can, you can get a really good rent for it. Um, on the flip side, we have a major issue. There's not enough housing for everyone. Um, I'm, I'm the president of the Coastal Housing Coalition and, and we, we work as the, um, we try to keep the, the dialogue going as far as how do we do good development. Um, and the word density scares a lot of people. So what's happening in the real estate right, market right now is unpredictable. It's, it's things are selling for very high prices, low cap rates, and the demand is absolutely insane. Are you afraid at all of uh, rent controls or other types of things like, you know, eviction, uh, making it very difficult to evict people? Well, I, I think it's good. Some of those, um, some of those are in place. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a, I think that, that, that we need that to protect. There's a lot of people who aren't protected. Um, but yes, it does factor how you underwrite a property. Um, AB 1482, which is statewide rent control has had a major effect on the market. Um, the notion that a, a unit is worth less if it's unoccupied is something that a lot of people believe. Um, but yeah, I mean, anytime, again, you have, you have government interfering with the private sector in some ways, it's, it, it's, it's a fine line. You know, I think some of those rent protections are really needed and others, you know, the, the, the negative is the thing that I have a hard time with is that some people making those decisions don't understand that it has a negative effect on the people it's really supposed to help. Right. And so when you're, you know, just with the COVID measures that are preventing evictions during this time and rent raising and what have you, are you seeing any impact on the owners of these properties? And Absolutely. if so, you know, what is, how are they going to get get through? Yeah, they're, they're selling. Um, we have a lot of people I had, you know, we have a lot of people who are going to pay the cap gains and they just, they bought a five unit building for $200,000 and they can turn around and sell for $2.5 million. They'll pay the cap gains and cash out. They don't want to deal with it anymore. Um, most tenants, I think the ones that really have financial hardship, there's landlords who are understanding and there's, unfortunately, there's some people who I think are taking advantage of the situation. Right, because even even if you have an understanding landlord, if they just purchased the property for two and a half million dollars, they still have a mortgage to to pay, and that's mortgage. just the hang of it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think there's a lot of you know, uh, Senate Bill. I think it was ninety one was just passed, which if you forgive twenty five twenty percent of the rent, you can collect eighty. But it's a it's a it's a new California. There's going to be limited funds. I think it's thirteen million for Santa Barbara County. My guess is we'll get gobbled up very quickly. Um, but yeah, there's landlords who are struggling. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, 
based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. This is Mario Andretti. You know me as a race car driver, but I'm also a Meals on Wheels volunteer. I've raced against the sport's biggest personalities, but I've never met more vibrant, amazing people than the seniors served by Meals on Wheels. As a volunteer, you deliver a hot, nutritious meal and a friendly hello to someone just like your mother, grandfather, or next-door neighbor. These seniors are inspiring people with incredible stories to share, and they love to see you. The smiles you get back are priceless. Delivering with Meals on Wheels is easy, and you don't have to drive like me for it to be quick. You can volunteer your lunch break once a week or just once a month. With one in six seniors facing hunger and many more living in isolation, your lunch break can make a real difference. So, America, let's do lunch. Volunteer your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. The telephone is 145 years old this month. In 1876, Alexander Graham Bell made the first telephone call in Cambridge, Massachusetts to a nearby room. It caught on. There are 277 million cell phone users nationwide. Of America's 123 million occupied housing units, just 1.3 million are without phone service. Profile America is a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So, John, how have interest rates played into this multifamily and apartment um, units? Are they as low as, as they are for, say, a um, 30-year you know, mortgage for a single family home or, or how has, has the interest rates affected the purchase and sales of this, this type of property? So they're not going to be as quite as low as um, some of those really attractive 30 years. I think at the lowest, what, a couple of weeks ago, someone was telling me they were getting like 2.5 even on, on some. Yeah, like really low. Um, but yeah, they're historically low. I, I think the challenge that I saw in multifamily is that even though low interest rates have people excited about putting on debt, the, the constraints of and fear of tenants not paying rent, a lot of lenders kind of the underwriting process and their loan to values seem to be affected. Um, more than 80% of the deals uh, my office did, we just did a, just under 40 deals after. I think it was almost, yeah, 60 to 70% were all cash and they were going to get financing after because the timing and the competitive nature of it. Um, underwriters, uh, you know, uh, there, there's a couple local banks that are being really aggressive because they understand class A assets and A plus locations. Um, but some of the major players such as, you know, Chase, who is a big multifamily lender, First Republic, um, we, we, we've noticed that unless there's a strong relationship with, with, with the client, they're you can get 50%, um, but it's not as attractive as what's going on in the single family market or two to four units market, because you can still on a, on a duplex or a fourplex, you can get that owner occupied financing, which makes those really attractive as well. So does Beachside Properties act solely as a broker or do you act as a principal too? 
So Beachside Partners uh, is the is the company. So um, we are a real estate brokerage, um, and then I myself have numerous investments from Isla Vista to downtown that I am a principal in. Uh, my partners Nick Henry, Lori Zahn, and John Koskinen. Um, all of us own real estate, um, whether it's commercial buildings or duplexes. But we we don't syndicate deals. We are a uh, uh, we consider ourselves a boutique real estate brokerage. So how how do you deal with the the perceived conflict? You, I'm a client, and you come to me with a deal, and I, my first question would be, why didn't you buy it? You should see the remodel my my wife's doing on our new Mesa house. That's why I'm not buying it. <laughs> but seriously. <laughs> uh, but do you, do you, do you, yeah. do you, do you know, are you, are you taking the best and giving the clients, you know, the less attractive ones? That's the inherent conflict. Yeah, I think, I think that's a, a, a perspective someone may have. I myself, um, there's five clients I work with. Um, I have my couple of my friends that are first time investors all the way up to my 10 figure guy. Um, I don't, I don't have a ton of clients. I know what they look like. That was one of the things I learned when I wanted to start my own thing is that a lot of real estate brokers throw paint on the wall and they try to get whatever sticks go with it. Um, I think there's a bigger conflict when you have multiple clients writing on the same properties. So I have a rule of thumb where if I show it to somebody, that's them. Um, and you know, I, I offer almost on every deal. I say, if they want if I'll invest in it. I don't, there, there's very, very few transactions that will close that I wouldn't be willing to invest in myself. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a challenge we have faced before, um, as far as why aren't you buying it? And if, you know, it's such a good deal, why don't you buy it? Um, and, uh, I, I, I feel very confident we've been able to overcome that. It's not something that truly affects it. And do you manage the properties also? So up until about six months ago, I, I would only manage anything I had inv- uh, investment, uh, had an invested interest in. Um, particularly Isla Vista. Um, but with the business growing and business booming, uh, we actually brought in, brought on somebody to oversee. We also use Appfolio, local company, um, and they're doing the majority of the, the management. But no, I don't do outside management. So aside from the rent issues of clients not paying rent, what other issues do you see COVID having on this segment of the, of the real estate market? The negative or is a positive? <laughs> Either or. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, on a pop for us in particular, I, I, and you guys have probably, I mean, Santa Barbara has become and will never go. This, everyone wants to be here. Everyone wants to have some sort of piece of ownership. They want to live here. They want to rent here. Um, it's, it's been a very big positive in the sense that the demand is out of this world in single family, in, in, in multifamily. Um, and in renting, I mean, a, a big, big thing is that I had a client, we sold them a, a six unit building and they originally were going to put young professionals in there and they switched over to do 30 day rentals and um, 60 day rentals furnished because there's these people who just don't want to stay in hotels anymore. Um, and they want a cleaner, kind of less, so, more social distancing environment. Um, so I think there's a lot of positives that have, that have, that have come out from it. There's, there's constraints with the lenders is a negative um trying to sell a building when you have tenants with covid you know we we're very sensitive you know we, we had one deal in the middle of covid that we we're doing where the person bought it without ever seeing the inside the tenants didn't want us to come in and we we don't push the fact even though the leases require it 
Um, you have to have a lot of sensitivity. You know, when you're selling an apartment building, these are people's homes. These are, these are people's, these are, this is, this means a lot. So you have to be very careful with that. Um, so it's been, um, you know, you pivot, but it's, it's the demand is kind of superseded everything because it's just, it's all time high in demand. Are the buyers, uh, are they local or are they from out of state or out of, out of Santa Barbara? Um, all the buyers I focus on are all local. They all live here in Santa Barbara. There's one who lives part-time here, part-time in LA. Um, our office primarily only will work with local buyers. Um, there's a lot of out-of-state people that want to buy here. The challenge is, is they think it's great to own here. And then when they see that they have to buy a three and a half cap rate and they can get a seven cap rate in Arizona, they just quickly, they're, they're not ready to pull the trigger. So what do you think the ADU um, laws locally will do to that apartment building financing? The financing aspect or what they'll do to apartments. So I have a strong opinion on what they'll do to the apartments because we actually have seven ADU projects uh, within our portfolio that we're going to be doing. So it allows you to build more housing. Um, that That's the real positive. Uh, it's it's going to put more things on, on the ground. Uh, in regards to the financing aspect of it, I think finding the right lender and the right partner who can understand the value of the building once that's complete, that, that then it's going to be a very big positive. Um, it's, it's, we don't have enough housing is, is how to put it. So I think anything that can help put housing, I think it has to be the right housing. You know, the challenge is, is most new products that comes out, it's, it's not ha helping that missing middle that I'm talking about, you know, 80 to 120% of the AMI. Um, you know, I think density is a scary word for a lot of people, but I think it's a very necessary item that needs to be discussed and we can build smart. Um, but a lot of people don't want to hear that. And, and, and rightfully so, they don't want to see change in this beautiful place we get to call home. And so with the ADUs, um, the, the uh, legal parameters that the law states of, you know, having to get the permits and doing all, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's, do you think that it will happen fast enough to bring enough inventory online to even make a difference? Unfortunately, I do not. Um, if you're familiar with RENA numbers, which I'm not super familiar with, but I have vague understanding of RENA and what we're, the amount of housing we're supposed to be building. I think that we're behind by about 23,000 units, 24,000 units. Um, and, you know, when you've got a, again, I won't point any fingers, but you have a disconnect between government and private sector developers. It's a real challenge. I think people to work together. I think that there needs to be some commonality of if, if we can designate areas to build the right way and not be afraid of density. And, and you know, with, with all these the misconceptions that new buildings take all these utility costs and, you know, they're actually more efficient than a lot of this old, um, older apartments that we have. Um, I think, I think it's, uh, no, we're not going to reach it with ADUs. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. 
Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Since 1994, Opera Santa Barbara has celebrated and championed the breadth and beauty of opera throughout California's Central Coast. Here's Artistic Director Costas Protopapas. I have been uh, the Artistic Director of Opera Santa Barbara since July of 2015. In a regular season, we did three main stage productions. In addition, we had a long series of noontime concerts that take place at libraries that are part of the Santa Barbara library system. So we try to bring music, awareness of the arts, and the rich historical literary background that the art form of opera brings with it to as many parts of the community as possible. Our website is operasb.org. There's updates there. Of course, our social media are very active, Facebook and Instagram. To learn more about Opera Santa Barbara, go to operasb.org or call 805-898-3890. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. So, John, um, you know, I, I heard from a former director of the Housing Authority that the two biggest reasons why we have such a supply shortage on rental real estate here in Santa Barbara are because of vacation rentals and students. What do you have to say about that? Well, I think that there is a lack of supply. So that creates, if that, that just creates any type of uh, you know, higher demand. Um, I think students are a thriving part of our community. If you look at the Santa Barbara City College and the university, how many jobs are provided at the university? How many jobs are provided at City College? They wouldn't be here without the students. So they definitely need somewhere to live. Um, the short-term rentals, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm personally not against them um, in, in the coastal zone. I think that there should be, you know, if you look at how much the city lost on the transit occupancy tax from banning them, I think, again, just my personal belief is the city could use that money very significantly. Um, you know, I, I, the housing authority, you know, I, they have a program they run. You know, they have a way that they get people housing and in doing that. Again, my, my personal belief is that housing's for everybody. It's, it's, it's a necessity, not a right. So until you really have a, a, a master plan of how you're going to provide it, um, you're always going to have this disparity. And um, I think that, again, students and people coming for short-term rentals, they're going to stimulate the economy. Um, a lot more than people collecting a Section 8 voucher who don't have to show proof of you know, any type of work and, and, and a lot of the, you know, I'll call it free money that people are able to get. 
Um, that's just my personal opinion, but I think that, uh, I think we can make it all work, but there has to be, we have to have more supply. In your, in, in, in uh, Isla Vista, do you rent to students? Students are, we, we, we don't discriminate who we rent to, but yes, students are our primary tenant. So, so what do you do for the other three months? Uh, we do 12 month leases. And they, and kids sign up, students sign up for it? Yeah. So we have a little different approach. We, we, we go in, we buy, and we try to make them as nice as we can. So we tend to get a little higher um, rents, but we also deliver really good product. We have a really good in-house management platform. Um, and we, we have guarantors of every one of our tenants. So it's, we're renting to the tenant and their parent. Um, they have the ability to get one of the owners, such as myself, on the phone anytime there's an issue. It's not always perfect, but um, yeah, no, we, we, we've been very fortunate with uh, the buildings we have in Ivy. And do you allow them to sublease them over the summer? Uh, if they if they want to, yes, we have. They, they can assign the lease. They can assign it. Um, subleasing, we we don't allow. Um, I'm sure they still do it without us knowing about it. Um, but but typically, our 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 market is usually sophomores and juniors, um, and they want to be there for summer. So and we what we have is we have duplexes and single family homes. So they've got yards. They're bigger spaces. It's it's it's. It's an environment people want to be in for the summer in Ivy. So, um, what what's going on right now with the Macy's building? I know there was a lot of disappointment that that hasn't or won't be converted into um, housing, as opposed to now it's being converted into office space. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think it was a missed opportunity by the um, Paseo Nuevo Mall to really make it um, a, a downtown live work environment? Yeah, I, 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 I know a I know that they want to bring in his office space, which I think in theory could be could be great um, in some aspects. I, I do think it's a missed opportunity. I think any time if you look at the current status of State Street, um, just as a from a civilian standpoint, when I go walk down there, it, it, it's not what it used to be. And it, I don't see it changing. So when you have something as big as the Macy's building, I understand you can't just turn it into housing very easily. But I think they're there, you know, we talked briefly about it. Do you knock it down and rebuild something? I, I do think it's somewhat of a missed opportunity. You know, hopefully they, they get some tenants, you know, like the Amazons that want to be there that will help reinvigorate downtown. But kind of seems like they're just kicking the can. I think we really need change. And, and, and downtown State Street's hurting. I think, I, again, I, I personally am not totally in the retail and office leasing, but it's something like 50 vacancies right now on State Street. Um, and there's a big disconnect and, and I think it's going to take property owners. It's going to take the city and the Macy's building, I think really could have been something truly special. Um, not to say office space isn't special, but I, I do think it's somewhat of a missed opportunity. Well, it, it looks as if they'll get another opportunity to, to, to make another decision with the Nordstrom building, which is also yeah. big. Yeah. I mean, hopefully they, they, they can do, I mean, do something again. I, I don't, I don't have the magic answer, but I can tell you going downtown and it's a, um, it's a very different feel than it used to be. And so do you see the work from home movement? Many are saying that, you know, work from home was basically proven as a workable theory for offices that people are, are not wanting to go back to the office the way that they once were. Do you see that translating into people wanting to either rent or buy nicer houses and stay there and, and not go to a 
traditional work, uh, office environment? Yeah, I think it totally depends on the industry, you know, and, and for me in particular, Beachside Partners, you know, we, we, we we're missing the, 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 the team meetings and the aspect of the collaboration of being around everyone. I, I imagine anyone that's in any type of sales environment being in that atmosphere is really good. And then I'm sure on the other side, there's a lot of people who are in corporate jobs that love being home and don't ever want to go set foot in the office. Um, I think it is going to change drastically. I think that a lot of the, um, you know, kind of going back to the Macy's building, it's, it's, it's tough. Again, I'm not in it, but it seems very challenging. Who's going to want to take down 20, 30,000 square feet of office space um, to do that now? It's, it's you know, and, and with going home, yeah, homes that have offices in them, outdoor space, all that, that those are major factors now that are big selling points. So now with you as a business owner here in Santa Barbara, what have you found were the biggest challenges that you faced in growing Beachside Partners? So the biggest, the biggest challenge is always, I think, taking that initial risk and making sure the next step is the right one. You know, you, you, you start to get successful and then you think you want to grow and you kind of pull back. Um, we, we, we've tend to purposely stay pretty small as a real estate brokerage. Um, but you deal with a lot, there's a lot of really good business people in this town and there's a lot of respect I have for everyone I've worked with. Um, every, everyone, I, I think there's enough business for everyone. Um, but when you're the new guy or you're, you're the small shop, you know, there, there's, there's, there's challenges people, you have to build your credibility. And that's, that's where, again, I, when I, when I said, I don't want to wear suits anymore. Um, that was kind of really how I knew it would, it would take a while to get that reputation. But when you get there and you start doing well for people, I think it pays off in the long run. I think in Santa Barbara, your reputation is everything. Um, I worked really, really hard to, to, to get where I'm at and have, have the, the circle around me and the people who support me. So I'm really thankful for that, but it, it's, it's a challenge. There, there's a lot of really good business people have been doing, doing real estate and doing all kinds of things for a really long time. Now, do you see that real estate is, is in a bubble right now? What would you say to that statement? I think there's aspects of it that I think are bubble-ish. <laughs> um, I think in the single family, in single family market, there's some areas that have very limited upside that people are just pay, out of town. People are paying really high prices for and the appreciation's just not there. Um, the condo sector is one I see a lot of that happening in. Um, and, you know, I think there's a, I think there's a desperation right now for people to get into town. And I think, I think the new bar is set, you know, I live up on the Mesa and what's going on up there is just unbelievable. Um, we bought our house beginning of 2020 and I thought I was paying, I bought it before it went on the market, thought I was paying a huge number and have since, um, gotten unsolicited offers for numbers. I was like, wow, this is, this is unbelievable. So I You're think like, some areas bottle we're moving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the problem is where are you going to go? I mean, that that's, I have, I have friends who have sold their houses and they don't know where they're going to go. So they're going to be spending $10,000 a month renting. And then, you know, that goes pretty quick. Absolutely. You're listening to money talk on AM 1290 KZSB. And we'll be right back with our final segment.
For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. I'm Neil Chrysell, inviting you to join me and our guests when CSUCI presents About Education, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. right here on AM 1290. Each week, we will have a conversation with thought-provoking guests who are influencing the field of education, including teens, educators, social scientists, and parents, as we learn about a subject so important to our community. Join us for CSUCI presents About Education on KZSB AM 1290. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. You know, I know we didn't want to get into politics, but you know, one of the things that probably makes buying uh, uh, residential properties a good investment at the moment is because uh, the, uh, the government makes it very, very difficult to build anything. And a, a lot of builders, if you tell them you've got a great deal in a place called Santa Barbara, they'll take a look at it and they'll just pass because it's just too difficult to get approvals. So, uh, uh, you know, in, our, in an ironic sense, part of the attraction of buying already built residential housing is there may not be as much new housing as the market would, 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 could handle. That was not a speech. That was a question without a question. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm <laughs> so it's, it's, there's a major barrier of entry. And, and again, I think the, the, the housing stock is that that's what people are looking at. And, and when a, someone from out of state calls us, I want to develop in Santa Barbara. Um, it's, it's kind of a sign like, yeah, it, it's <laughs> okay. And, and, but you know, there, there are people who are doing it. There, there's a group, there's a, there's a project right off of mission street where they came in, they bought an office building Everyone thought they were like, what are they doing? And they converted it to residential. So I think, again, my true belief is, is if we can work together, um, we can make it happen. That's my dream. I, I want to be the guy who develops housing core downtown, the first floor, first couple floors, units where everyone's going to live. You've got the penthouse rented for 20000 a month. 
And then downstairs, there's people who are just getting back on their feet. They can stay there for 90 days rent free while they get back on their feet. But, you know, you got to get the government buy in. You got to get builders buy in. And, um, you know, I think I think when I think of people like Michael Tobes and Jerry Beaver, there's some there's there's some, you know, you look at what those guys did. And there's some real truth to working together and getting it done. Is this, is this your announcement that you're running for mayor? <laughs> I, I, I have, I have too much, uh, I have too strong a belief to, I think to be, to, to be on that, to be on that side. I, I do think we have quite the race coming up though. Um, I do think we have quite the race coming up. And, you know, Santa Barbara is definitely a, a town that, that real estate and properties, there is a big, big following and depending upon your stance on it will depend whether or not you'll, you'll get elected. You know, you can't help but to think of the developer that's up at the San Marcos Preserve right now trying to build his 12 houses, you know, facing a protest every day so that his trucks and tractors can't get through. And so, you know, Santa Barbara isn't for the faint of heart in the uh, development space, that's for sure. So now, are you seeing any new trends that you would like to share with our audience um, in the apartment building world, multifamily? Yeah, I, I, uh, I think the biggest trend is I think property owners, I'm hoping, and I try to advocate this, is that there's not, the answer always isn't selling. Um, I think there's a lot of things that property owners have, have realized they've done things one way for many, many years and that there's, there's, there's changes that people will pay a premium for nicer things. Well, because, um, because, Diane, because excuse me, because Diane asked the question that um, in the last 40 seconds of the show, uh, if you want the answer to this question, you're going to have to call John and become a client. So we're going to hold it out for people to actually get, you'll get paid for, for this great advice. Uh, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk, and we'll see you next week. It's 